Hello, and welcome to the Mobro Show, where I, Tip Mosley, pastor at Fellowship Baptist Church in Mount Juliet, Tennessee, will sit and discuss topics of life, ministry, and theology with my brother, J.P. Mosley, who is a professor and minister at Heidelberg Theological Seminary in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. On today's episode, J.P. and I will discuss work. Our previous work uh, in school, our vocational work, and the work that we continue to do, and we will be in Scripture looking at Psalm 107 to discuss the phrase, at your wit's end. prolegomena yeah. you've taught that before and of the of the ones that you named are there other ones that you've taught before sermon types and application i've taught that one okay um i have taught the poetry books and gospels in a different setting so this would kind of be my first time teaching at a, at a graduate level uh-huh and um i have not taught christian ethics I've written exams for, for ministers in Christian ethics, men that were wanted to go into the ministry. I've written exams for that, for, mm-hmm. for classes and stuff. But uh, I've actually, that's, that's one of the things I'm going to be working on today is are those notes. Um, um, I, all of my classes I already have in my head organized how the, you know, the, let's say it's a three hour course, how the 36 hours of lecture are going to look like. I already have that written out. Oh, okay. And once you once you have it written out and then you teach the class, is are there like things that you change? Yeah. As you yeah, go through it? Yeah. Um it depends on how much time I have between teaching the teaching it. Like prolegomena, because I'm because I'm having to teach new courses, I'm adding I'm adding just some a, a few things to it. Um so it's it's kind of adding and then going, oh, I think I'll do that differently next time. I have one class uh, that, I, that I'll be doing that with um, in the springtime if I'm teaching it. How many times have you taught prolegomena so far since you've been there? Uh, at Heidelberg, this will be my third time. Third but, time? Uh, um Overall, this would be my fourth. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think that's right. Because you taught in Colorado. I taught at a, yeah, I taught at another seminary in Colorado too. Yeah. There's a, one thing that's always fascinated me with teachers is, and the part of this is because I've been meeting with a young lady who's a teacher for the first time. Um, straight out of her, I guess, graduate work. No, her undergraduate work. And she's going to be a high school math teacher for sophomores. And what kind of like blows my mind is that, I mean, well, how long, how long is a day? I know that they probably have a break. Uh, 
well, lunch break. And then they probably have like a study, like an opportunity to like a block in their schedule that's left open. But if they're, if they're from eight to three, I think is a normal school day at the high school. And she probably has like a 30 minute lunch and maybe like a 45, how long are, how long are classes in high school? I can't remember. 45 to 50 minutes. Okay. Then she might have a, a block that's open, but you've got all that time teaching the exact same thing every day. And then if you stay in that position, you do it all again the next year. And then again, the next year and again, the next year, that's always blown my mind. Like, like teaching is very repetitive. That's the mother of learning. Repetition. Mm-hmm. But I wonder how that gets for like the, the teacher though. Like, how do you keep it fresh for yourself? You write, you research. Cause I know in, in some cases teaching it'll, it could change. It's it's fresh because you've got a new batch of students. You're not teaching the same curriculum to the same students every year. And so with every 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 new class comes a new challenge because you've got a, um, people are not um, they're not made in a factory. They're not cookie cutter. You know, there's uh, so that's that's the that's the danger with the with, with the public school model. Uh, particularly when it's a large classroom size, is that teacher cannot uh, personalize her teaching methods to yeah. various students. Um, but then at the same time, your, mine and your experience were, were a little bit different. When I when I went from third to fourth grade, uh, for instance, I ended up having to take uh, harder math, harder reading. One other class was harder, and I, I no longer was in the, my regular fourth grade class. I ended up having to go to a completely different teacher for these harder courses, without it ever being explained to me why. Hmm. Um, and so I, I, um, I rebelled. <laughs> I don't know any other way of putting it. I, I, I acted out. Um, and. You, you have to, when teaching, you have to have the ability to assess a person's ability, uh, intellectual ability. Um, some people are only going to be able to get through certain types of math. They're not going to be able to go on to pre-calculus, calculus, trigonometry. You know, my wife actually went all the way up to like in college calculus three or calculus four i mean it was it's just maddening yeah and i you know i had a teacher and you and i had to say the same teacher in high school but uh he wanted me to go on and do that type of stuff and i i just said man uh, that's that's just not me Mm -hmm. that's not me um speaking of speaking of joel bazaar i was actually going to use him as, as an example because uh, I thought about him the other day um, when I was sitting with the young teacher and he's been teaching math for, I think, 20 something years now. Is that right? 20, yeah. 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 Like he's been teaching math for. I remember meeting him for the first time. He was straight out of school, mm-hmm. going to a school to teach math. 
young guy in, in bands and really mm-hmm. musical and everything and mm-hmm. a, a really great guy. And then it just like blows my mind that every day the and every year you're doing the exact same. But I mean, there's other jobs like that too. You look at factory yeah. work and it's day in and day out, the same it's thing. Pushing a button. Uh-huh. Or, you know, screwing that, that lid on the toothpaste before they invent a machine that'll do that for you. Mm-hmm. And you're then you got 300 people out of a job. A lot of people screwing lids. Yeah. Um, Cause no, I, I, I think, I think <laughs> when it, <laughs> so I think when it comes to, uh, um, teaching similar to any other line of work that is of that type, um, it's, it's a calling. I mean, mm-hmm. you've got, you got to really feel like this is what God wants you to do. In, in Reformed theology, in, in the systematic theology that I teach, it's it's the doctrine of vocation. Uh, you know, and that, that simply says, calling. Um, um, God calls you uh, to this task. And what some theologians would say is the person that makes shoes, the person that makes watches, the person that cuts hair, that's their vocation. And so, no, for them, it's not the mundane, same old, same old. It's, I look forward to getting up today Mm -hmm. and glorifying God by cutting this hair, making these shoes, um, uh, teaching this math class. And that's, that's, that's really that's really important for, for people to grasp is um, I, I, while at the same time I think there's there's particularly in our culture there are going to be people that because of life because of uh, choices are going to be stuck working in factories and and we have to express um, that's your calling. No, that's okay. Uh, do the best. Do the best you can and become a supervisor. Do right. the best you can and then become the manager. Right. You know, um, or just continue to be a good employee and 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 do that job and save up and you know go do some other things on on free time. Uh, even even in that that factory work, grueling and you know, working in factories without air conditioning and stuff like that. I remember going into some when, when doing pest control, it was like, I was in there half the day, especially if it was food handling. Uh, Cause that's very serious when it comes to pest control and you have to, yeah. you have to cover every base when, you know, I mean, you should at every account, but, but with the ones that are food handling normally you have like a, a notebook that you have to like go through and mark off stuff and then, and all this crazy stuff. And you're in this warehouse for like, or factory for like half the day with no air conditioning. They got those big old fans on the ceiling that don't do anything. And, <clears throat> and even that kind of work, you know, scripture tells us that we do it unto the Lord and not unto man. Mm-hmm. Any work we do mm-hmm. must be done unto the Lord. I just, I mean, there there's, I, I thought, I felt like my calling was teaching and that's why I originally went to school because I love the idea of, of, I mean, I saw it in, I saw it in high school when people would come to me 
needing help with like English. And I, I could sit there and diagram 50 sentences in like 10 minutes. And they would come to me like, how, how did you do that? I'm like, well, you just, you just draw this line and you plot out where the words go on the line. And, and then I find myself diagramming sentences while I'm reading a book and it's just, it got insane. But anyway, I found that I was able to help my peer understand it better than the teacher could help them understand it. Uh, and then I found out in math <laughs> that I was better at calculus than I was at, at basic arithmetic. Cause I always ask the question, why, why is two plus two four? Why does it equal four? I, I want to know why. I remember dad used to get mad. He like, just get, cause it is. I'm like, well, but why? Because it is, it always is. And always will be. It just is. It's four. <laughs> that absolute truth. <laughs> but in calculus, you know, I learned that there were, uh, uh, theorems and formulas and that explained why these things were these things and why it all added up this way and why it was this way. And you didn't, I didn't have that with like simple arithmetic. And that's why I was, I was not doing well in the lesser math, but doing much better in the, in the harder math. But I thought, well, you know what? And this was all tip Mosley thinking that, you know, I knew the plans that I had for my life. Mm. Decided to go into doing counseling instead. Because mm. I like, well, you know what? Teaching is good, but I can, as a counselor, I can help people on a much deeper level. And then I have a greater respect for the counselor that sits in an office eight hours a day with a 10 minute break, seeing eight clients. That is grueling. Mm-hmm. Being in a factory or a warehouse with with no air conditioning, I'm yeah. almost just as hard as sitting in a office with eight different yeah. clients, hearing and trying to help them with the things that are going on in their lives. I I was just on the phone with actually with Dad, but I was I I, I explained to people. Um, so I said, as I said to him earlier, I said, you know the the person who lives in a box underneath the bridge. His life is stressful. He's got stresses in his life. Yeah. You know, box gets wet. You know, whatever, right? Stresses, you know. Um, the same is true with the Queen of England, though. She's got stresses in her life. Um, and, and I think, I think that applies to uh, work. I think it applies to um, what we do for a living. You know, one of the things I told myself as a young man, I said, I, I want to try to find a job that's got no paperwork. <laughs> <laughs> I am convinced that, that that job does not exist. <laughs> there's, not a thing, there's not a job without paperwork. And, um, and so, you know, whether you're working for pest control, you're working as a counselor, you're working as a, as a high school teacher, you're working as a, as a pastor, um, there will always be stress involved. And bottom line, it is because of uh, sin. It's because mm-hmm. of a fallen world. Um, it's because uh, age creeps up on us all. Yeah. Uh, and with age comes 
the fact that uh, there comes a moment where your body doesn't do the same thing that it used to, you know, used to be easy to be able to jump up and hit a backboard. And now you get down, you come down. It's like, wow, is my knee hurt? Uh, you go walking on a sidewalk and you sit down and go, why do my ankles hurt? Mm-hmm. Um, you wake up and you go, what happened to my neck? I was just sleeping. Right. No, um, it's, it's, it's things like that. And so, um, what, what, what deeply troubles me and who I was sharing this with, with Fran the other day was when, when we were talking about pet peeves while back and I said, you know, my one pet peeve is the person that thinks their job or their task is the most important thing in the world. And they ought to, I mean, that's how you give God glory is you think that I, I have to get this done. Yeah. But I mean, if it's periwinkle, you know, I guess that's a color. My box was seven or eight crayons. You just had to say that word. Yeah, you like that one. Um, you know, or or you know, you're you're in a plant making drixoral. Come on. <laughs> Nobody's gonna understand why I'm not liking this. Yeah, so except funny. for our family. Yeah, Mom and dad will know, but no one else will understand. Yeah, it's just good. Anyway, um, <laughs> point point being. If at the end of the day, when you put your head on your pillow, if you did what you did for the glory of God, and it, and it, and um, that that to me is what matters. It's those it's those that are doing things from a sinful perspective, doing things from perspective of I've only I, I have to gain here, I have to increase here. Right. Um, they will lose sleep. Now, I, I, I lose sleep regularly because of the type of work I'm in, where I hear of people's sins and people's troubles, and I tend to have a harder time going to sleep because I'm thinking about it, praying about it, and trying to wind down is, is harder for me. Because mm-hmm. uh, my brain, I don't, I don't have the ability of just not thinking. There's people out there that can just sit there and not think. They zone out. <laughs> I, I don't know how to do that. I can't do that. I also do not know how to compartmentalize. So, um, in fact, I have been, I had an elder, <laughs> a very brave, brave man, told me one time, he says, he says Pastor Moses, I think you have the brain of a female. Why? Said, why? Because I don't compartmentalize. And so normally they say men's brains are boxes and they put this thing in this box and they put this thing in this box and it doesn't connect. It doesn't, you know, well, you know, women's brains are like spaghetti. It's all connected and all this is, and he says, you have that type of brain. And I said, if I didn't know you, I'd slap. (laughs) If you didn't know him. Yeah. Yeah. You just just slapping strangers then JP. (laughs) Maybe I, I don't know. I yeah, haven't slapped I, somebody in a while. I, I've, I've used the example before of a good representation of, of how our work needs to be. I mean, I look at um, the commandment of remember the Sabbath and keep it holy as it says there that uh, six days God worked on the seventh day he rested and that we work 
to what, and one thing, you know, that he did was each, each day when he said, let there be, he looked back at it and said, it's good. I think we ought to do something similar to that the best we can at the end of the day, look back at the work that we have done. And hopefully we can say it was for God. It was good. Well, we did the best we could. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I uh, just kind of continuing this thought, you know, the, the, the individual that looks on their day and says, well, that was a waste. Mm. Um, they remind me. So in the Bible, St. Augustine, for example, St. Augustine described history as um, the, the telling of two cities. There was the Charles, city of the city Charles of God. Dickens, right? Charles Dickens. No, no, this was Augustine. <laughs> um, there was this. There's the city of God, which is the kingdom, the church, and the church is a part of the kingdom. Right. The kingdom is is you know in in heaven, but it's you know the church is is bringing that about too. Um, and then there's the city of man, and one of the biggest. And so right away in the book of Genesis, you have. Cain and Abel, and they they define for you uh, the seat of the woman, the seat of the serpent, the city mm. of God, and the city of man. And it's interesting when you begin to read the passages in the Bible that describe the city of man, um, Cain, and then his 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 children. And by the time you get to the end of Genesis eleven, you have the city of man uh, building a tower. Right. And the reason they're doing that is because they remember the flood. And God's not going to flood us again. We're going to work our way up to the heavens. Uh, We're going to make uh, ourselves out to be like God. Uh huh. Instead of remembering creation, you are already created in the image and likeness of God. You don't have to make yourself out to be anything. You're already. And forgotten the promise, too. That's right. That's right. And so, you know, God is the one who commands and raises the storm and causes the flood and the wind to come. He lifts up the waves of the sea. This is Psalm 107, verse 25. He then looks out on man who then mounts up to the heavens. Mm -hmm. But that's God doing that. But you see, they, the man is the one that tries to mount up all the way to that, describing like the Tower of Babel. Right. And yet, what happens to man? They die. They go down again to the depths. They Their soul melts because of trouble. Now, that describes depression. Mm. That's a description of depression. They reel to and fro. That's, again, a description of not being able to sleep and stagger like a drunken man. That's, again... Walking. I mean, we we get that illustration, right? And then they're at their wit's end. That's describing what happened in Genesis eleven with the Tower of Babel. Think about it. If you and I all of a sudden could not communicate to one another, there would be frustration. There would be reeling to and fro, staggering around, trying to figure out where I'm supposed to be. Yep. And then go. I have no idea what I'm supposed to do now. Yep. I can't tell you how many people have gone off to college and got a degree 
in some weird women's or cultural studies or some weird like, um, you know, gender studies. And then they go, I don't, I can't get a job with this degree. And at that moment, we have to sit back and go, what did this university do for this person? Mm-hmm. They did diddly squat. Didn't give them a degree, but like psychology, for example. There's not much you can do with an undergrad degree in psychology, except to go back to that school to get a graduate degree in psychology. And then you go, what am I supposed to do with this? Well, you go back to that school for a PhD in psychology, and then there's only one thing you can do after that teach at that school in the <laughs> department of psychology you know that's called circular and it's called silly now you can get a you know a degree in psychiatric you know and then i would say now you're trying to play church mm. because what well you got the degree in counseling what does psychology mean what is what does that word actually mean the study of what yeah, uh, the mind. No, is it not? There's a different word for mind. Okay, psyche, <laughs> soul, soul. Oh yes, that's right. I know. Yeah, but it's so it's the study of the soul. Leave me alone. Leave me but, alone. I'm done. The, I'm gonna, the, I'm gonna turn word, this thing the, off. The Greek, yeah, the I'm Greek done. word. I'll also, see you tomorrow. Yeah, we'll see. It. But the Greek word also means life, or the inward man, which is where you got the idea for mind. That's not what con- contemporary psychology is. Contemporary psychology is a study in behavior. Yeah. That's what the DSM-5 is all about, diagnosing behavior. And then modifying that behavior. To the best they can. Or approving of that behavior. Or, yeah, or oh, approving. It, it's yeah. okay. Yeah. Well, you were just created this way. Yeah, it's, val- it's valid. Right. And so... When a person goes that route for their life, they're going to be at their wit's end. Because there's no hope. Mm. There's, no, there's no purpose. There's no goal. And that's why one of the biggest industries in America is the pharmaceutical companies. Yeah. Because, you know, well, what's the point? You know how many I, times I had parents step into my well, it wasn't my office, but the offices that I worked at looking for a script for their child, just looking mm-hmm. for a, and I'm like, I, I'm, I cannot write a prescription for your child. And I, mm-hmm. even if I could, I wouldn't. And I told them that and they'd leave. And you could write down, spare the rod, spare the child. <laughs> yeah. And they wanted, uh, they wanted the pharmacy to take care of their child's problems. Yeah. Uh, the school system. Uh huh. Blame it on everything else, but home. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, but when it's time for you know people to step in and start parenting the child, wait a minute, that's my job. Who are you to tell me that I have to do this for my child in order to go to the school here? Oh man, I I had such a fascinating revelation with a really troubled kid. Um, kept going to juvie and all this kind of stuff, and very defiant towards his his mom. Very defiant, which I and I. I get it. Very defiant towards any authority figure. Mm-hmm. And then when the courts told her, the mom, that she wasn't allowed to do something anymore, she started acting just like the child. Mm-hmm. And it was an eye-opening experience for me to see they were both acting the exact 
same. No wonder he acts this way because his mother acts this way. Yeah, that's called Freud. And well, I mean, he saw it. But, he was around it. Yeah, it's learned behavior. Yeah, it is. It's very much learned. It's the way that he was uh, uh, nurtured yeah. to to act this way. And I'm, yeah. I'm yeah. like, no wonder. Well, there is some of that. There's also just inherent behavior. That sinful reaction, sinful behavior is yeah. inherent. Uh, we get it because the fallen man. Mm-hmm. You know, fallen men and women, and yeah, dishonor towards your father and your mother is dishonor toward you know your dishonor towards authority. What I think, what I think we need to recognize because the phrase which the phrase we're looking at today is the wit's end. Yep, we're at my wit's end. Is um, Psalm one hundred seven describes for us a gospel scene. So the gospel scene is um, when the disciples are out on the on the water and. Jesus is asleep in the back and the storm comes upon them. So um, you have the storm, the wind, verse 25. Um, the boat feels like it's fixing to go down into the depths. They cry out to Jesus because their soul is melting because of the trouble that they're in. Mm-hmm. Uh, the boat is reeling to and fro. They're staggering around on the deck of the boat. Um, they're at their wits end and they're professional fishermen. Mm-hmm. Right, you'd think they'd be able to handle it. You think they'd be able to handle it, but here, here's what happens with every person that comes to Christ: they realize they can't handle it. That's true conversion. True conversion happens when you come to the realization you cannot save yourself. Yep. Too many people believe they're saved because they said a prayer, they went down the altar, people laid their hands on them and said, "Good, you're now a believer." No, mm-hmm. you're a believer only when you realize you cannot save yourself and you 100% turn to Christ for everything. And so look at what the next verse is in our passage. 107, 107, now verse 28. Then they cry out to the Lord in their trouble and he brings them out of their distress. Yeah. He calms the storm so that its waves are still. Then they are glad because they are quiet. So he guides them to their desired haven. Jesus fulfills Psalm 107 in that event when the disciples are out on that ocean or that sea, Sea of Galilee, storm hits. They wake him up. Oh, you of little faith. And then he rebukes the wind and the storm. And, it's, and then it says, after all that, they're immediately at the place where they're meant to be. They're yeah. immediately at the other side. Yeah. And it also says, who is this man that the winds obey? His yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, they, that's you an were, eye-opening moment. But you're yeah. saying, yeah, in, 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 one, in chapter 107, um, let's see, it's 28. Um, Made the storm be still and the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad that the waters were quiet brought them to their desired haven. I've always loved the fact that in that story of Jesus and the disciples in the boat, that once the, once the sea was calm, they found that they were on the other side. Yeah, they're, they're, like they're They there. were immediately, they were put there where they needed to go. And it's verse 30. Yeah. So again, the encouragement we give to people that, that um, 
life is spinning out of control. They're not sure they're they're where they need to be. Is this where God wants me to be? The answer to that is you wouldn't be here if God didn't want you here. <laughs> right. It reminds me of a story of a of a pastor in in, in Minnesota who had a lady uh, come up to her deeply concerned, like in tears because she wasn't sure she was married to the right man. Mm. Oh yeah. And the pastor says, that's a, that's a problem. That's a serious problem. Um, I mean, this, 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 this guy could be in your, I mean, he obviously, if, if you're not married to the right man, what's he, he's in your home. And so he said, um, here's what you need to do. You need to go home, get his driver's license. Take that when he's not looking and go look at your marriage certificate. And if the names match, you're married to the right man. So how am I supposed to know this is the guy God wants me to marry? You're married to him, sweetheart. Mm Mm-hmm. You're married to them. That's that's what that's how that's the way life works. How do how do I know I'm supposed to be working at Wendy's? Because you got the job. <laughs> and and if you're supposed to work somewhere else, you're gonna get a different job. Well, here's the different question. How how do I know I'm supposed to look for a different job? It'll happen. The door will open. You see, too many people are waiting for the fleece to be laid out and all of a sudden there'd be moisture yeah. on it or moisture around it and no moisture on the fleece. Right. Too many people are waiting for, uh, you know, the heavens to be opened up and for God to look down and say, Hey, no. What was that? There was a joke. Um, that reminds me of where there was a, there was like a, a shipwreck and a guy was out, uh, floating in the shipwreck in the ocean and a, uh, 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 a boat, a small boat comes by with a man with oars and he says, Hey, get in the boat, get in the boat. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll help you. And he's like, no, God will save me. Uh, God, mm-hmm. God, God will, God will come down and he'll, he'll take me out of these waters. And then, uh, and then a, uh, day passes and then the coast guard comes out like, Hey, we found you get in, get in everybody, you know, get in. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll take you back to shore. He's like, no, 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 God, God will save me. I know he's going to open up the heavens. He's going to reach down. He's going to pull me out of these waters and they leave. And then a day goes by and then a helicopter comes, you know, Hey, get it. Uh, we're going to send a guy down to pick you up and take you out of the water. No, no, no. God will open up the heavens and he'll save me. And then the the guy dies in the ocean. Yeah. Goes to heaven and you know, it's a joke, obviously goes to heaven and, and asks, ask God, you know, I was there for three days, you know, sinking and just in, in, having a hard time in the waters and you never, you never came down. You, you never saved me. And he says, well, I sent you two boats and a helicopter. Yeah. 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 It's a joke, JP. No, I, yeah, I get it. I, it, but it's, it's one of those types of jokes where probably the best response to that is reflection. Yeah. So, um, I think, I think there's, there's, times where we just we have not been taught how to recognize the guiding hand of the Lord. Let's put it that way. Oh yeah. I'm no I've been there. 
I've been there. Uh, but because because we think it's going to be like the Damascus Road, right? Or um, a burning or a burning bush or a burning bush. Yeah. Or or even <laughs> it's funny. Or I'll I'll tell you what's funny here in just a second. Or or even laying in bed and you're hearing your name called, uh-huh. and you go and they didn't call you. It happened with the boys the other day. Simeon, Simeon or Judah one came upstairs. Dad, did you call me? You call my name? And I I didn't skip a beat. No, son. But if I call you again, say, Lord, I'm listening. And <laughs> 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 yeah, don't do make don't make them don't make them wait. Uh huh. I call you again, say, Lord, I'm listening. But if I call you again, say, why aren't you up here? Uh-huh. Now, now you know it's me. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I don't like vacuuming alone. I hear things. That's just me, though. We can talk about that later when we're off the air. <laughs> but that might be a, a vacuuming alone. It's just me. It's yeah. hearing the vacuum is all. That's my, my own problems. Oh, man, my toy. You dropped failed. your toy? Yeah, I just said that. My toy failed. Your little uh, fidget spinner? Uh, yeah, sort of. I've got an adapter for my headphones for a quarter inch, and then I'm just got my wedding band. I'm just spinning it on there. Mm. I'm always doing something, man. Yeah, I, uh, I'm, I tap. I tap my fingers. Yeah. Uh, move my chair around. Uh, so when we when we use that that phrase wits end today, yeah, uh, like in just a regular conversation, uh, normally, what what does that what does that mean to you? Like if you if you're hearing I, I, that in the context of a conversation, what does that phrase I, mean? I think it's very simple. Well, I think I think so. Two things. I think first of all, it's 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 meaning uh, I don't know what to do anymore. I'm, yep. I'm, I'm, I'm at the last my last option. Um, yeah, I've got no more options. Yeah, and for that matter, I think that's exactly what this almost is getting at. Yeah, yeah. So, w- what I've always thought is like you're, I'm beyond the point of, and and I love that it's, it fits, for scripture too, is that I, I'm I'm just beyond the point of my own mental faculty of knowing, what to do, yeah. like yeah. I, physically, mentally, emotionally, beyond the point of even being able to rely on my own self to get something done or to move forward. Like you just stuck. Yeah. Yeah. So my, my wit cannot save me. My knowledge of it cannot save me. Very fitting of what you were saying. And um, I don't know. I, when you mentioned the idea that you mentioned the, uh, the moment of the tumultuous sea where the disciples are out there, Jesus. And I thought of the walking on the water also. Yeah. Of of Peter be, Peter being called out and and what happens to him when he turns his eyes away or when he begins to um, sink into his own mental understanding he begins to sink in literally in the the waters that are around him mm-hmm. instead of yeah you're gonna if you if it's left up to us if it's left up to man you will always get to the wits end your wits end always you will never get beyond the point to where you can do much more because you cannot save yourself and that's a perfect example of peter keep your eyes on jesus oh the one that can save yeah always and man it happens with man trying 
it, their best to take over what God has built. That, like you, you mentioned Babel, the Tower of Babel, and man building this tower to make their way into heaven or to be greater, even to prove themselves to be greater than God. Or, you know, hey, we're going to save ourselves from the wrath of God. Mm-hmm. And he ain't going to flood us again. Mm-hmm. We have towers of Babel in, in almost every major city of, of man trying to reveal themselves to be godlike. It's the city, city of man. Yeah. 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 And go- governments are built by God. Uh, authority is built by God. And man comes in and because of sin, they, I don't want to, I, I, my first thought goes to the word perverted. They like, they, they pervert it. Yeah. Distort it. Distort it. Um, um, yeah. um, defile it. Yeah. And what I, what I hate is it's always money. Money and power control. You know, and, and power brings more money and more money brings more power. I can't, people feel like they can save themselves if they've got all the money that they, they uh, it, kind of, I mean, Abraham had a lot of money. He was a wealthy man. Job was a wealthy man. Um, it's, it's what you do with that. Well, it's the love of the money. It's yeah. the worship of the money. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the way, the way I put it is that you can, you can tell you're dealing with the city man. So remember, I, I started that off by pointing out to Cain and, Right. Cain was the first guy to see. There was no such thing as as uh, in in uh, modern anthropology and biology and all that geology. No such thing as the uh, caveman. Those those types of. I mean, uh, one of our uncles called me up one time and says, "Hey, was there really thing as a caveman?" I said, "Sure. It was whenever a man lived in a cave, he was a caveman. Lot, for example, lived in a cave for a while. It was a caveman. Point though is, um, Cain built a city." And named it after his son. That's the description of the city of man. So it would be you build a tower or an industry and you name it after yourself. <laughs> yeah. Versus you build something to the glory of God. Mm-hmm. And it, it it it's one of the it's one of the reasons I'm not a big fan of ministries that have persons' names in it. I get, I get why they do it, you know, but um, it's that's just not for me. I don't want to have JP ministry, JP mostly ministries. You know? um, no, it's I'm not. I, don't, I just don't. I'm not. I'm, but um, that's why. That's why when I think someone jokingly said a good idea for the show, the podcast would be the who was it? Somebody that suggested it to you, or did you? Or did you? Shoot I don't know. It out there. I, I don't know. As like a joking thing of, well, I just call it the Mobro Show. Oh, yeah. It's I mean, it's funny. I mean, I, yeah. I think it's it's funny. I think it's quirky, yeah. and it doesn't like. I don't. I don't think in any way that it's like. I didn't want to use our names. I really didn't. No, I didn't. Either. I didn't. I didn't want to use Tip and JP and and so Mobros is. I think it'd be JP and Tip though. Well, that's alphabetical. It is. And chronological. Kind of. 
<laughs> Sorry, I did. You're such a diva. Oh, hey, you know what? I need my Skittles separated by colors. Whatever. And I need them to have this marker and not an S. What? I need it to look like a wave instead of an S. My Skittles. Just like when I get M&Ms, I want them divided into separate bowls by their color. And I don't want them to have an M on them. I want them to have a lowercase w. Oh, my goodness. We have had this conversation on this show before. Is this what you do at, at churches that you go help out when, you know, on the weekends you go and you preach and you're like, in my in green the, room. In my green room, yeah. I want 72-degree yeah. water. Norway water. Not in, a, not in plastic. It's got to be a it glass bottle. It has to be in a glass and bottle. It's mineral Norway water. Yeah. And all the oh. all of the M and M separated in in color. <laughs> no, actually, color. no. I don't. I don't. No. Uh, I'm thankful to be able to do those types of things. But no, in in uh, to get back to the subject at hand, because you've you've obviously brought us on this delightful uh, digression. Um, That's what I'm here for. When we get to our wits' end, preaching ought to do that for people, for the unbeliever. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I tend to think of the thief on the cross. <laughs> Who? What better example than a guy? He was at his wits' end. Yeah, there was nothing he could do. There was nowhere else to go. <laughs> uh, right. I mean, this is like Poor guy. death. I mean, right. this is over. Right. He was dying. He's dying. Um, and he outlived Jesus, and that's what that's. I mean, because he had his legs broke. Yep. Um. Lord, when you enter your kingdom, please remember me. That's the answer for the person that's at their wit's end. Yep. There's no other answer. And so, whether it's what you should study in college, spouse, um, children, those are very all all very important life decisions. But we deal in the business of dealing with one of the most important life decisions a person could ever make. Yeah. We deal with people who are at their wits end. In moments of, of trauma, of trial, of and to be able to point them to Jesus Christ is no greater task. There's no greater joy. That joy is beyond description. That's why I'm so happy to come in every day to this office. Mm -hmm. It's the happiest I've been with any job I've ever been at. Good. And and it's good, too, when you've got a, a church that is there in your corner backing you mm-hmm. up. Because I know, I know you personally have been in in some tough ones. I can think of one that was that was that was fairly tough for you. Um, <clears throat> it's written all over you for a while. Yeah, I, I think of like talking about going through hard times. You talked about depression, and 
And in, in the in something you were saying, I can't remember exactly what you were saying, but that was like the gist of it. You know, going going through difficulties and and using and seeing that depre- that depression in in Psalm one hundred seven in that one stanza in that section. I was thought I thought of Deuteronomy. Uh, let me pull it up because I don't I don't want to mess this up. I know I know what is in that ver that that section that passage. I believe it's Deuteronomy chapter eight, where it says that man cannot live on bread alone. No, no, it's not eight. eight, Or is it five? I'm going to find it here in a second. I don't think it's eight. Deuteronomy. Oh, hang on. It might, is it Deuteronomy? um, Five, when he repeats the commandments. Oh, mercy. It It is Deuteronomy eight. You know oh, I mean? Verse three. Okay. Okay. So he humbled you, allowed you to hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. So when you talked so, about, but, but what, what happens next is your garments did not wear out on you, nor did right. your foot swell for four right. days. Right. You should know in your heart that as a man chastens his son, so the Lord, your God chases you. Yep. So, yeah. In the beginning, in the beginning of that, he is explaining, <laughs> you know, you were in this wilderness for 40 years that you might be humbled. Yes. And tested. Whether you would keep the commandments or not. That, that going through this trial was a moment of, of, of revelation for God. Hey, I'm going to humble you. I'm going to test you. It's revelation from God. God. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. What did I say? For not for God. No. No. Not yeah. for God. Um, from God, of whether or not they could do the things that He commanded them to do. Mm-hmm. And man, that's like that's just describing a lot of the moments in life where we feel like we're at our wits' end. It's a. It is an opportunity for sanctification. An opportunity for being put in a forge and God using that metal that, you know, using us as that malleable metal to form us and to shape us into something that he is calling us to be through heat and through a hammer. Yep. And the occasional bath cooling it down. Yeah. So I thought of, I thought of that when you were talking about that section of being, uh, you know, going through a going through depression, mm-hmm. and still we count it joy, bring glory to God in that moment. Well, we when, need to before before we before we close out here. What yeah. we need to recognize is um, even Jesus going without uh, still wept. Yeah. Um, and he quotes this in Matthew. Uh, well, yeah, in Matthew and Luke. And Luke. In his, in, in his temp- temptation when he's yeah. been fasting for 40 days. 40 days. Yeah. 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 When we have a hard time fasting for an hour. Right. And they were in the wilderness for 40 years, Jesus mm-hmm. being in the wilderness for 40 days mm-hmm. fasting. I like that. I always like how that, but, that continuity is there. Yeah. But uh, what, what, 
the point being is we don't serve a God who doesn't know what it's like. Exactly. You know, um, Jesus is the one. The man of sorrows. Darkness was my only friend. Yeah. Psalm 88. Yeah. Um, And because Jesus can say that, having gone through the garden, having gone through the trial and gone through the cross, gone through the grave. When we look at life, that's why James says we need to consider it all joy. You know, uh, also with Psalm 107, it begins and ends and, and spread throughout the entire Psalm is the fact that we must remember the steadfast love of God. Give thanks. Yeah. That's right. That's right. The, the love that does not waver. It doesn't get tossed to and fro. No, it doesn't. We're tossed to and fro, but his love stays the same. Resolute. It is firm and it does not waver. That's right. And that's some good stuff. It's always good stuff. You have an idea for next time? Nope. Come on, man. Come on. (laughs) I've got six classes I'm preparing for right now. (laughs) I've got little... I got a little brain juice. All right. In well, fact, I've, I've got to do a recording here in about two hours for the seminary. And then I might be recording with some other guys here around three. So, all right, well, write this down. I mean, we can look at this one because I, I, I don't know if it fits in or not, but I think it'd be fun. Um, Cause this is one that I've wanted to do for a while. Cause we use the, we use the phrase at, at our wits end or at your wits end. We use it quite frequently today but there's another one and i heard it the other day and i thought that's in scripture uh but it's at the 11th hour thank you for tuning in and we appreciate your support if you would like to give in financial support to jp mosley's work at heidelberg theological seminary in sioux falls south dakota you may do so at heidelbergseminary.org slash support hyphen hts That is heidelbergseminary.org slash support hyphen HTS. And if you'd like to give in financial support to Tip Mosley's work at Fellowship Baptist Church in Mount Juliet, Tennessee, you may do so at thefellowshipbc.org slash give. That is thefellowshipbc.org slash give. Thank you and may God bless.